Well, as the old quote says, better late than never, right? (laughs) Welcome to this week's Q on Q, posted a day later than usual this week. Um, Lots going on in life right now. As a musician and a music teacher, there's always a lot of stuff going on this time of year. This week happens to be our school musical, and we're getting ready to ramp up for concerts, and my daughter comes home from college this week. Lots to plan for. Busy, busy, busy. Thank you for your patience, and thanks to those who reached out asking when the next episode was coming. Um, This one took a little extra to prepare, and I hope that you'll be blessed by its message. I've loved hearing from you guys and love knowing that folks are watching for new episodes to come out, so thank you. And uh, big news, we're now on Instagram, so we invite you to give us a follow. The name is at Q on Q, the letter Q on Q-U-E-U-E. We'll be posting info about upcoming episodes, surveys, and having some fun contests as well. So uh, join in on the fun and give us a follow. Right now, there's a free coffee contest going on for you and friends, so check it out and give us a follow. Again, that's Q on Q on Instagram. When Vivaldi wrote the music for his piece, The Four Seasons, 300 years ago, his goal was to give musical expression to each season of the year. And it's probably one of the best known of his works. Collections considered by many to have been a revolution in musical conception at the time. Instruments, melodic lines, phrases used to represent the unique and intricate characteristics of each of the four seasons. Or, maybe when I say the Four Seasons, you think of Frankie Valli and singing his high notes with his musical group. Or, maybe you think of the luxury hotel and resort of the same name. Well, you might have noticed the title of this week's episode is The Four Seasons, and you probably thought, dude, you misspelled the name. Well, I assure you that was intentional. (laughs) This week's episode of Q on Q is entitled The Four Seasons, F-O-R the four seasons. Instead of discussing various parts of the year, classic music, or a fancy hotel, we're going to go a different direction. Perhaps I could sum it up best by starting with the verse that much of today will be based on, and that is Ecclesiastes 3.1. It says this in the Amplified Version. There is a season, a time appointed for everything, and a time for every delight and event or purpose under heaven. Life is made up of many different seasons. We have different seasons of life that are periods of growth, periods of trial, periods of reappointment, times of emotion, times of accepting new responsibilities. The Lord created different seasons in our lives to shape us and create us into who he intended us to be. But he also uses this time to build us up, to deal with not only trials, but to adjust to new and bigger responsibilities. And both good and bad seasons are ways for God to capture our hearts and our faith. So why do we go through these times? Well, I'm fully convinced that God will change the season of life I'm in when he's ready to change something about me, whether it's my responsibilities, my role in someone's life, my level of involvement in an activity or an environment, or even where I'm supposed to be. There are more difficult seasons, but through it all, the Lord just wants me to trust him. No matter what kind of season I'm going through, I'm comforted in the fact that God always promises to make it beautiful in his time. The seasons we experience in life are crafted for us, and while it's true that we have free will to make decisions about where we go and what we do, When we follow God's plan for our lives, there are people, places, experiences, trials, and outcomes that we will face in different seasons, and they were all part of the plan. There was a why for each thing we experienced. 
And that brings me to today's title, The Four Seasons. You see, each season we go through in life is for something. Today I want to share some of the seasons I've gone through, some you may experience, and how you can see and allow God to work in each of them. They say cats have nine lives because of what all they experience. Sometimes this time of year I wonder how many lives teachers have because of you know the school year kind of getting ramped up here toward the end. And over the past four decades, I've worn many hats and sometimes wondered how many lives am I going to have? School student, musician, assistant, computer tech, teacher, composer, choreographer, even though I can't dance, community organizer, business owner, videographer, worship leader, presenter, I could keep going. The reality of it all is that I'm just experiencing a lot of different things in this one life. Many of these experiences, positions, and opportunities were part of the seasons God was taking me through. You see, every season we go through has a purpose. Let's read further in the scripture from Ecclesiastes, picking up in chapter 3, verses 2 through 8, where it says this about the different seasons we'll go through. This is the amplified version. It says there will be a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to uproot what is planted, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to tear down and a time to build up, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn, and a time to dance, a time to throw away stones, and a time to gather stones, a time to embrace, and a time to refrain from embracing, a time to search, and a time to give up as lost, a time to keep, and a time to throw away, a time to tear apart, and a time to sew together, a time to keep silent, and a time to speak, a time to love, and a time to hate, a time for war, and a time for peace." And while I can't say I've experienced war, and I'm certainly not a good dancer, I've experienced just about as much as life can give us. I'm going to narrow these down a bit and talk today about a few seasons in my life that I've gone through and how they've shaped me and prepared me for the seasons to come after. Now, you could probably identify way more than I'm going to talk about, but these are ones that I can identify easily as pivotal points in my life. You know, sometimes I found these seasons overlap, but I've always found this. What I've reaped or worked on in one season always pays dividends in another. Let me explain. Often we don't see immediate results from our investments. Maybe you spend a lot of time growing in a certain area and the use of all that knowledge and wisdom doesn't immediately present its need. Maybe you spend countless hours building up a business or activity and it takes years before you see it become fruitful. Regardless of the season, we must remember and appreciate what we learned from that season, what we enjoyed or the positive from that season, and how you can use the lessons you learned going forward. I want to start with the season that probably is one of the hardest and the one where we're often most frustrated, and that is the dry season. There are seasons of dry spells when we feel like we're experiencing some type of personal drought or famine. The majority of the time, not a physical famine or drought, but a life of dryness. And sometimes it can be a thirst for something. Yet while the very thing that satisfies us is right in front of us, we seem to drink from a whole bunch of sources thinking they'll satisfy us only to still be thirsty. We drink from what we think will make us happy and bring us joy only to find out we're not. If we're going through a dry season, it may be for a number of reasons. Maybe we're not feeling motivated. Maybe we need to be inspired. Maybe mostly everything seems to be going well, but something we used to enjoy or flourish in or create has suddenly gone dry. Or maybe even yet it seems that both God and others are nowhere to be found and we're left in the dust all alone, confused and afraid. 
Sometimes we're in a dry season of life because we've done something that we feel has alienated us from others or alienated us from God. But we have a choice. We can stay in the dry place, stay lost in the desert, stay angry and even feel sorry for ourselves, or we can open to God's presence and make things right. For many people, dry seasons can be a place of frustration, but for many others, it's a season of growth. Look at the visual referenced in Matthew 4, verses 1 through 4. The desert was a place of development in Jesus' life. It says this in the NIV. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. What would Jesus' ministry have been like if he would not have had this experience in the desert? What would our life's plan be like if we didn't experience those dry periods? In my own life, I experienced a very big dry season for many years. I used to write tons of music, band music, choral music, worship music, then all of a sudden I stopped. Why did I stop? I didn't have any commissions calling for new material. I just really lacked the inspiration to write. I entered a dry season, and over a period of probably 12 to 13 years, I may have written one or two things, and they admittedly weren't very good. So why was that? I was not inspired, and I didn't really feel led to write anything, but in actuality, I was going against a direct calling. God gave me the ability to write music, and most of it, I think, has been pretty good, but I let other priorities dictate what I did. And once I went along long enough, I didn't write music, I lost the passion for it. And very quickly, my creativity that once flourished quickly dried up. Well, a spiritual revival in my life the past few years has opened that back up. What did I do to open it? I began to earnestly seek what I was supposed to do, and I wrote. And I wrote a lot. There were times when I was frustrated. There were times I didn't want to wait, but I knew, I just knew through faith that God had the creativity for me that I wasn't tapping into. And when truthfully seeking it, allotting time to do it, the creative process began to flow, and I'm writing again, and a lot. The dry period can be short or long, but it's a time of preparation. In the scripture mentioned earlier, Jesus was a time of development, and he readied for his public ministry. Sometimes our dry seasons are painful and difficult and have nothing to do with something that's gone wrong. During mine, I was still working, my family was well, my marriage was fine, I was mostly in good health, went to church, employed. It didn't seem like anything was wrong to the eye, though I knew there was. Several episodes ago, I talked about the next big thing. Too often, the glitz and glam of so much in life entices us, and too often, we turn to those things when we're dry and we think they'll quench our thirst. But all they do is provide temporary satisfaction that leaves us longing for permanent fixes from things that can only give us temporary solutions. Jesus reminds us in Matthew 6.33 that only God can provide the true living water that we need to end our thirst. It says this in the English Standard Version. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. When we go through a dry season, or really any season that causes stress or discomfort, we most often just ask the question, why? What if you've been waiting, waiting and waiting more for something you've been expecting in life? You might ask God for something earnestly and repeatedly, and it might not instantly be made abundantly clear to you, and you keep asking why. Maybe God is telling you to wait. Maybe you're experiencing a season of waiting. 
We're a society of instant gratification. Fast food, text messages, on-demand everything. So to have to wait for something we may or may not know much about can be, to be honest, unsettling and nerve-wracking. Maybe you're in a situation like that. Maybe you feel God has called you to something, or maybe you're not sure. But either way, it's not working out, or it's taking longer than you expected. By God's grace, he can do just as much in me and through us in the waiting seasons. And he can do the same for you. I've learned in times of waiting that we must remember to be present where we are. During times of waiting, I know I struggle with this more than anything else. But we need to enjoy the season that we're in, no matter how hard it is, instead of always pursuing the next thing. If God is calling us to something new, if something new and exciting is ahead for us, God will be faithful in it, in his time. But in the meantime, he's given us a place, a people, and circumstances that we are planted in. You might be in a good place. You might be in a place of difficulty or even suffering, but the wisdom is the same. Just this past weekend, I helped lead the worship team for our church as we sang the song Gyra by Elevation Worship and Maverick City Music. And one of the lines for this has really stuck out to me as I've been preparing for this. It says, you are enough and I will be content in every circumstance. It's sometimes easier said than done, but in a season of waiting, it's important to know that we can be content as God prepares us for what's next for us. Well, what about a season of a relationship? This could be with a significant other, a boyfriend, a girlfriend, or even a spouse. But it could also be with a friend, a coworker, even a family member, or even a relationship with an organization or a role within that. I've always believed that God put people in our lives for a particular purpose at a particular time. There are people whose paths I've crossed for only short seasons. There's people who I've connected with for long periods of time, and then our paths separate. The hardest changes in seasons with relationships seem to be the ones where we don't understand. Like I said earlier, when we ask why. Okay, God, why doesn't this person talk to me anymore? Why is this person moving away? Why did we break up? We can ask all kinds of questions, and it's natural for our emotions to want to stay connected to whoever it is we just can't be connected to anymore. God doesn't just allow these things to happen because. To borrow a line from scripture I started with today, there's a time to every purpose. There's a reason you have the relationships you do, the friendships and the connections that you did. We can trust in God's plan because he knows what he's doing. People are brought in and out of our lives to fulfill his divine plan. Sometimes people who we feel we've made incredible connections with are about to head a direction that we need to steer clear from. Or maybe they have a God-given destiny to follow and we needed each other in that season. I think specifically of one relationship our family had. Somebody that was very special to us was in our life for a very short period of time. And we knew a lot about each other's situations and truly grew together, especially in our faith. And in what seemed like a flash, our paths separated. I asked why for many months. I didn't understand. Um, and we'll probably never know the exact reason. But I've come to the peace in knowing that we were there when that person needed us and that person was there for us, and that's big here, at a time when we may not have realized that we needed them. And the time we spent together was God-ordained. We challenged each other to grow, nurture, and pursue the calling God has on our lives. I'm at peace with it now, and I understand what its role was in the whole process. Relationships like that are often hard to let go of, and sometimes they're a test to see if we're ready for other relationships. You know, going through a season of testing is very hard. A season of testing stretches us and pushes us probably more than any other. The thing most important to remember with a season of testing is that God wants us to grow, despite our circumstances. Nobody likes tests. 
I didn't like them when I was in school, and I can't say I enjoy them in life. But after going through some pretty major ones, I understand better why we experience them and how we can grow from them. You know, over the past couple years, um, I've really gone through some pretty big tests. I've been shunned. I've been lied about. I've had things that were important taken away from me. I've had my faith pushed, and I've had my integrity questioned and tested. I've gone through a lot of tests. And while these may pale in comparison to tests that others go through, these tests were major to me. Each test brought an opportunity to grow. The biggest thing I learned is how to shift my thinking when dealing with trials. Tests always make us want to ask why. Why do I have to go through this? What did I do wrong? Am I not following what I'm supposed to be following? Especially in one of the big trials I went through, I felt the need to ask more questions than truly seek answers. That's big here. I felt the need to ask more questions than truly seek answers. And that's where my thinking started to shift. One particular scripture kept popping up over and over and helped me understand how to deal with this. It was Isaiah 54, 17. And it says this in the NIV. No weapon forged against you will prevail and you will refute every tongue that accuses you. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord and this is their vindication from me, declares the Lord. When your world is turned upside down, when your concerns turn to fear, when your troubles seem to take over your very being, give it to God. I'm not saying you aren't allowed to have concern. What I'm saying is, no matter what the circumstances, we have to learn to trust. I can tell you most certainly that when I learned to trust and give up my circumstances, God protected, he provided, and he will always continue to protect and provide as he brings us through to the other side. Remember, every trial is not just an experience. It's a lesson. It's something from which we can grow, something we go through to prepare us for something else on the other side. James 1.12 reminds us when it says this. This is the English Standard Version. Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial, for when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. And when everything seems to be going right, we feel like we're experiencing a season of blessing and enjoyment. When everything is going right, it's easy to get into a routine, to get too comfortable believing things will just continue to happen how they are. It's comfortable because everything is going smoothly, but it's uncomfortable because we almost expect something to go wrong. Here's the truth. As believers, we are promised greater blessings than we can imagine. We're not promised that we won't go through trials and temptations as those of the world are around us daily. But remember, God has promised us blessings. There are countless times throughout the scriptures, clear back to the days of Abraham, where God has promised wherever we go and whatever we do, when we follow his guidance and allow him to do a work in us, we will be blessed beyond measure. And that's not always monetary things, but it's a blessing of his abundance in us. And when in a time of blessing, we can be expectant in the right way. Sitting here on the end of this microphone, it's easy to say the words to give advice. But I have to remember when things in my personal life fall into one or many of these seasons, I need to remember my own advice. If I was to sum this all up, I'd simply say remember this. Regardless of what season you're going through, instead of asking why it's happening, seek how you can grow. Instead of being miserable despite the circumstances, be present where you are. And most importantly, worship God in all of it. The trials, the uncertainty, the dry, and the waiting. 
God desires to be worshipped and glorified. When we set our eyes on Him, we are less likely to be concerned about what we're doing in our own circumstances, and we're reminded of who we are in Christ. We are sons and daughters of the Most High. It says this in Colossians 3, 1 and 2. This is the NIV. Since then, you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. Remember, whatever season you're going through, there is a reason. There is a for. Whether you're going through four, five, or a hundred different seasons right now, look for the blessing in everything. Cherish the moments you experience and look for an opportunity to grow. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you back here next time when we'll have more for you on cue.